0: many revolutionaries have changed nations with guns, tanks, bombs, and execution squads. But amazingly there was a general revolutionary who changed the world with words of peace and love. While the bloody revolutionaries are dead and for the most part forgotten, this man lives on and his revolution continues. Welcome back, my friend. We're talking today about the gentle revolutionary whose teachings have saved the lives of millions and millions of people. Now, we're going to pick up from where I left off just a little while back. I want you to come in the Bible to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. Jesus said this Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Many people would say these are just crazy teachings, but Jesus said if you want to be happy, if you want to have peace, if you want to have security, then be merciful. Have you heard of uh, Corrie ten Boom? Heard of that lady? She was a Dutch Christian. Uh, during the German occupation, she saved the life with a family, with her father and the other members of the family. She saved the lives of many, many Jews. She hid them in her own house. And in the end, um, they were caught by the Nazis and they were put in a concentration camp. You know, that was just sort of hell. The old man froze to death, he starved to death. Other members of the family died. And after the war, Corrie ten Boom was giving a lecture on the grace of God. And a man came down the front and he said, Corrie, do you remember me? She said, oh dear. He was one of the guards one of the murderers. He said, are you going to forgive me? What would you do? Now let me ask you, what would you do? What would you do with a Nazi who had killed your father and murdered other people? What would you do? Well, she forgave him. Was it easy? Oh, very, very hard because it is hard to follow the teachings of Christ. Remember, these are the transforming teachings of of the gentle revolutionary, Jesus Christ. After the war, America forgave the Germans. Amazing. America forgave the Germans and then America rebuilt Germany. Let me tell you folks something. America was at her best when America was showing grace and forgiveness. That was the greatness of America. When she forgave, The Germans and rebuilt their desolate cities. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Matthew 5, verse 8 Jesus said, Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now you know it, I know it. We live uh, in an age of porn uh, and porn stars, Uh, world leaders. uh, Politicians in America and in other countries engage in acts of sexual depravity. The Roman Catholic Church, the Pope says, is facing the greatest crisis since the Reformation. You know why? Thousands of priests and members of the hierarchy have been abusing children. You say, these people are Christians? No, these people are counterfeit Christians. I'm telling you, a true follower of Jesus is never a pedophile. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. When you read of this terrible pedophilia, it shows the great depravity of the human heart. There's only one solution, the healing and transforming grace of God. Remember the famous television evangelist who went with a prostitute and he was caught. Then he went on television and he said with tears, I've sinned, I've sinned. A lot of people laughed at him. I wasn't laughing. That's what a person ought to do when a person has sinned against God and when a person has been impure. Come with me to Psalm 51 verses 1 to 4 and come over here to the words of King David, who also committed adultery. Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Now, he committed a great sin, but he committed a great repentance. Blessed are the pure in heart. You see, you need God inside you to live out these teachings of Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, the peacemakers, Matthew 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called uh, the sons of God. Blessed are the, oh no, no, blessed are the warmongers. Blessed are the makers uh, of the weapons of war. I've heard people say in the last couple of years, the best thing that we can do is to nuke North Korea. Just nuke them. Well, what's going to happen then? I said, well, yeah, well, we got to do it. How many are going to die? Well, probably millions. I think personally it's a great thing and a good thing that President Trump is reaching out to Kim, whom he once called a rocket man. Oh, some people say, no, let's get over there. Let's kill him hey, they got kids and grandkids like you. They may have a rotten government. They're not any country that does. It's a really bad government. It's an atheistic government. But the president of this country, in a display of grace, has reached out to Kim. That's good. Blessed are the peacemakers because grace is stronger than guns. Now, I'm going to say something that I don't want anybody to be offended by this, but a lot of people agree with me. Just just hear me out. Look at our recent attempts to bring peace to the world through guns and bombs. The Korean War. The war in Vietnam. How many were killed? Millions. 55,000 American soldiers and some Australians. The war in Iraq, and now commentators are saying the war in Iraq bred ISIS. That worked out well, didn't it? The war in Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, and Yemen, where I read in a magazine, The Economist yesterday, there are now millions of refugees in Yemen. Ever heard of that war? This is not to detract from the courage of our brave soldiers. But politicians make the decisions and the young men and young women march off to war. Jesus said to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. Blessed are the peacemakers. I don't want to believe this, you say. Well, you'd really be arguing with God, wouldn't you? Because God said it. And he is called the Prince of Peace. And his kingdom will endure after earthly nations have turned to dust. When we are simply memories in the mind of God, the kingdom of God goes on. Composed to the peacemakers. Then he said, happy are the people who are persecuted. Crazy, eh? Matthew five ten to 14. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Ouch, I don't want that. Persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. Ah, tremendous. But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, Jesus said. You're happy and you're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness. I have a friend over in Moscow. We call him Paul the Prisoner. He's a dear friend of mine. During the times of the Soviets, he was betrayed by his own church members in his own little church in Moscow. They turned him into the KGB. The communists put him in a cell in a great prison in Moscow. Uh, Here he is, Paul the Prisoner. A refrigerator cell. You know what it is? They freeze you up. Then when you're just about at death, they take you and warm you up. Freeze you up. His teeth rutted and fell out. He's a man. I salute him. He's not a (laughs) crybaby. No, he's not. Not a mamby-pamby. Not a wimp. A man of God with fire in his belly. I feel humbled to stand in his presence. Then when he got out of prison, his wife got cancer. But he has an inner peace. He's the salt of the earth. I salute him as my friend. I've helped him. I've helped him to survive. I was in Moscow in 1971, my first trip. I was talking to an old communist. He started to laugh because I was a Christian. Hey, don't push me. I took out my Bible. I read to him the teachings of Christ. I said, these teachings are far more revolutionary than anything Lenin came up with or Stalin These are the teachings that overthrew the Roman Empire. He said, this is powerful, isn't it? He said, have you ever read the Bible? No, of course not. Most atheists have never read the Bible. They can only criticize it, most of them. I had only one Bible. I gave him my Bible. That was a big thing I was traveling. I read my Bible every day. I can't survive without my Bible. But he needed it. There's a power in the Word. This is the great power of God. Grace is greater than guns. I've got a pastor friend down in El Salvador where we've run a huge evangelistic campaign. It's probably the most dangerous country in the world. He went out recently to visit some of the folks we're helping and he went into a gang-infested area. It's dangerous, my friend. He came with a Bible. When the gang leaders came out to see him, firstly they were going to kill him. This pastor who has served as my translator is not a crybaby. He's not crying in his beard. He's not hiding up the back of the auditorium saying, oh, what am I going to do? There's a lot of people here. Come on, toughen up. When the gang leaders met him, he said, what are you doing here? He said, I've come to preach the word of God. He took out his Bible. And they said, then we're outgunned. So they said to him, we're outgunned. They were bristling with guns. They said, you got the heavy artillery. We're talking today the heavy artillery. Most religion that we hear about, my friend, isn't worth a dime because it's not the religion of God. Only the religion that... Came from God can lead us to God, and some of you will say rightly. But you know this this is too hard. We can't do this. Uh, I can't forgive my enemies. I can't can't even forgive my friends. That's why you need grace. This is why you need Christ in you. We're not talking here about religion. We're talking here about the power of God. Is anybody listening to me? Matthew five twenty one and twenty two. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry, angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, Jesus didn't do away with the Ten Commandments. I've met some people who are very naive, and they say, "Uh, we just follow the New Testament because it's a lot easier than the Old Testament. Are you kidding? The Old Testament says, don't kill. That's what Moses said. God said through Moses in the Ten Commandments, don't kill. Jesus said, hey, You can't even get angry. You say it's impossible. Yes, it is. That's why we need the grace of God in our hearts. Um, Today in the world, in this land, in Australia, other countries, there's terrible domestic violence. Domestic violence usually is the sin of cowards because only a coward would beat up somebody smaller than you are. Jesus said, not a case of violence, don't even get angry. You say it's impossible. We need grace in the heart. We need grace in the soul. This is a revolution. It is foreign to the vast majority of us. The Sermon on the Mount doesn't show you how to be saved. That'll be a comfort. It describes those who are being saved. You don't have to be good to be saved, but you do need to be saved to be good and to do good. When you read these teachings, it doesn't make you into a Pharisee. It makes us want to run to Jesus and be cleansed from all of our filth. Look at Matthew 5, 27, 28, 29. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, look at verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. A lot of people will be walking around with only one eye. Pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Goodness. Does nobody read the Bible? We live in a time of sexual sins, adultery, fornication, pornography and all kinds of sexual perversions on television. Put there by the liberals who are warring against God. Jesus said, don't even think lustful thoughts. You say it's impossible. We need Christ in the heart. Think what Jesus did for Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. He redeemed her. Christ is in the business of not just all religion. Christ is in the business of redeeming souls, cleaning us up inside. Matthew 5.37, Matthew 5.37, But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one, the devil. Jesus said, say, yes for yes and no, for no. In other words, no lies. Oops. Ouch. There's a book that you can get called The Day America Told the Truth. It's a great study on the morality of us Americans. It tells us that the vast majority of us are liars. Oh, no. Yes. Read the book. I have a friend, I've had a friend of this man who is a great scholar, I've known him for more than 50 years. I can say, like Dr. Green Bradford, never would tell a lie, would die rather than tell a lie. He lives close to God and he's a good person. A person who is a liar will not be saved. He needs to be redeemed and changed. HMS Richards, the Dean of Adventist Preachers, said there are two things a true minister shouldn't do and will not do. He can't retire if he's a true minister. And he will not tell lies. Lying is a filthy sin. Matthew 5 verse 40. If you're keeping company with a person who's telling lies, young people, drop that person, drop them cold. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Ouch. Did you know when Jesus said no lawsuits, he meant it, we have more attorneys than any other country in the world probably as many attorneys as the rest of the world put together. A million attorneys. You know why? We're so greedy. So greedy. Let me tell you, God will take care of you. Look at Isaiah 41, 14 and 15. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, and you redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sled with sharp teeth and you shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. Don't worry about people. God is going to make you strong. Look at this text. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I could tell you stories. Look at me i got some good attorney friends, but I don't want to be using them too much because I don't believe in suing people. Oh, but everybody... No, suing is bad. Paul in Corinthians says, it is a sin to sue your brother. Oh, well, well, yeah, that's in Corinthians. I've had people come against me, try to destroy me. I'm not going to tell you about it, but God took care of me and no weapon formed against me prospered. This is the truth. Matthew 5.41 now. Matthew 5.41. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Oh, it even gets harder. This refers to the custom in the days of Jesus that a Roman soldier could say to a Jew, carry my baggage for a mile. And then at the the end of the mile, the man would throw it down, preferably in a heap of mud. Jesus said, after you've gone a mile, carry it another mile. If you're told to do something by an enemy, do it twice. You say, can't do that, can't do that. Well, Jesus here is describing his disciples. No hate. It's easy to be saved, uh, but it's not easy to stay saved. Look at Matthew 5, 43, 44, and 45. Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son Rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Love your enemies? No, let's shoot them. Well, this shows whether you're a Christian or not. The word here in the Greek is agape. It refers not to just human love, but a love that comes down from God, for God so loved the world, agape. The love in 1 Corinthians 13, Agape. Love your enemies. Love the people who are criticising you. Love that crooked attorney so that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. It takes a miracle. Now this is not bogus religion we're talking today. We are talking about genuine Christianity. The story of Will is one of my favourite stories. Will was a young man who was given a gift of land from the king The king said, I want you to plant some trees and build a house, fence it and put a big gate up. And he said, here's a warning. There's someone out to get you, the mysterious stranger. If he comes, he will destroy your peace and your happiness. So we have got the house, everything free. Happy days. He planted trees, peace, joy, love, purity. You know about those trees? Oh, they're hard to grow. They grew so slowly. But he'd eat and he was happy and happy and happy. When one evening there was a knocking down at the gate and he went down and there was the mysterious stranger. He said, let me in, Will. I'm going to make you even more happy. Let me in. And Will, being an inexperienced Christian, said, come on in. And the first thing the evil stranger did was to start to uproot these trees. He got rid of them. And then he said, well, we're going to do something else. We're going to put in some more trees. And so he started to plant more trees and he put in trees that were called, wait for it, luster, envy, hate, jealousy, anger. The other trees took a long time to grow. These came up almost straight away. That's how it is. Not hard to grow them, is it? And then he started to eat those trees. He ate them. Oh, it was good. It was great to eat those trees. But soon he was feeling sick. Then he was vomiting. But then he wanted some more. And so he was wanting more, eating more, feeling sick vomiting. That was his life. That's the life of the sinner away from the grace of God. Eating, vomiting, wanting more. And alas, when he was completely desperate, wanted to die, one evening, he heard a voice from the gate. He went down to the gate And there was a tall, handsome prince who looked a lot lot like the king. He held up a lantern and said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice. And the stranger cried out, Don't let him in, Will, he'll destroy all my work. That's the best news Will had heard. He let him in. When the prince came in, the evil stranger left. And he said, We've got to get rid of these trees. Hard to get rid of them. They didn't want to die. And then he helped Bill to plant some new trees. And they were hard to plant. And he planted new trees like love and joy and long suffering and peace. And he was eating, but he wasn't vomiting. And one evening they were sitting together in the cool of the evening on the veranda. Will said, I'm so happy, he said to the prince, but what save you should leave me? And the prince said, Will, I will never, never leave you, nor forsake you. And the good news, he never did. And what we need in our hearts is the Lord Jesus Christ who will give us the trees of righteousness. I commend to you today the greatest and the most gentle of all revolutionaries, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Amen.